Go ahead. Make my day. New Year, everybody. 2022. Yeah. I hope everyone is doing well. Welcome back to Filmmaking Ain't for Pussies. Man, what a holiday, huh? I hope you had a good time with your family and friends. Hopefully you didn't come down with COVID, with this Omicron thing. Wow. But, it's you know, if you're vaccinated, it's just like a cold, so I'm not too worried about it. My mother-in-law was here from Florida. My son was here from Pasadena. So there were four of us and we were out and about. So, so far, none of us have come down with it. So knock wood. That's my head, by the way. <laughs> 2022 is going to be your year. It's going to be your year. Yeah. You're going to finish a screenplay. Yeah. You're going to enter it into some festivals. Yeah. You're going to be accepted. You're going to win some awards. Yeah. Producers are going to take notice. Yeah. Somebody's going to option your screenplay. Yeah. Then someone's going to take that option screenplay and turn it into a movie. Yeah. And you are going to be a professional screenwriter. Yeah. 2022. That's you. It's going to be you. Come on. It can be you. Get back to the grindstone. Put your head down and just start grinding those pages out. Come on. I know you can do it. Oh, uh, did y'all like that Clint Eastwood bump there? <laughs> Over the holiday, uh, Warner Brothers has released a, a Clint Eastwood retrospective. Now, a lot of you youngsters don't even know who the hell Clint Eastwood is. But the guy has been around forever. Ever. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was him and Burt Reynolds, number one and number two, as far as box office draw. Now, many of you know, The Hike is my homage to Deliverance, and Burt Reynolds was in Deliverance. But I've always been a huge Clint Eastwood fan. This retrospective that Warner Brothers has issued, I rented it. It's on Apple TV if you want to rent it. Uh, you could probably find it on iTunes as well. But it's like segments of his life, like they go into directing, they go into acting. Uh, just his life at Warner Brothers, by the way. Warner Brothers. They do skip over movies that he didn't do at Warner Brothers. But, you know, it's it's really interesting. It's, I don't know, there's six episodes, maybe 20 minutes each. Maybe two and a half hours, three hours total. I sat down and watched it over a two-day period. But, you know, if you're a fan, check it out. When we get to directing, uh, I adopted his one of his directing habits. It was really beneficial. He does not say action or cut. As an actor, it's kind of jarring to hear the word action. And just, it's, it's like a starter's gun and you're on the blocks and you're running track. It's... I don't know. It's just not a comfortable place to be. So what he does is he says, whenever you're ready. And that's what I did for the hike. That worked out great for us. I, I did say cut. I don't think cut is that big of a deal. Definitely not saying action is, is something that you should think about if you're going to be a director. And you know, it's kind of a power trip to yell action and cut. And some people get off on it. I, I, I don't care about that crap. It did work for me. 
You know, just look at the actors. Say, you guys ready? And then you can roll sound, roll camera whenever you're ready. And just kind of let everybody just ooze into it instead of taking off, you know, like a bat out of hell at the word. Action. It's very relaxing. So, yeah, I stole that right from Clint Eastwood. And that's part of what you'll see in this retrospective. It's really well done. All right, so uh, a little cleanup of things that we talked about a few weeks ago. I did turn down distribution for the hike. You know, it's just, it wasn't a good fit. You know, there, there were partners. There were two guys who ran this company. And I did my due diligence. I mean, they've, they've been in the business. They're currently in the business. And it's like this distribution company is like a side project. So one of them reached out to me. And we exchanged emails. I didn't talk to anybody on the phone. This was all through email. And the guy was a super nice guy. So he's like, you know, I got to get my partner involved here. He's going to reach out to you. So I'm thinking seriously about it just because I like this guy. You know, I, I look at their slate of films. They're all very schlocky B films. And I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just a proud papa. But The Hike is not a schlocky B film. You know, it, it's got the sound of a Hollywood movie. It's got the look of a Hollywood movie. You know, it doesn't have the performances of A-list actors. But other than that, no. If you're going to put money into a movie and you're going to put years of sweat, tears, blood, you need to make sure that your movie goes someplace where it will be treated with respect. You just won't be a number. Now, granted, this company, they don't have that many movies, in their library. I mean, they got a decent amount, but it's not huge. And so they're they're trying to fill out their slate for 2022. So anyway, the second guy, the partner, he emails me. And just the tone of his email just pissed me off. I, I just, I could work with one guy, but I didn't feel like I could work with the other guy. You guys ever read an email? And that's the thing about emails, because you can't attach emotion to an email. So, you know, Maybe I'm stupid for thinking that the guy's a jerk or an egomaniac. Maybe he's not, but I had to say no. I know they're used to dealing with especially first-time filmmakers who are trying to get their foot in the Hollywood door, and they they don't care. They just want it dis distributed. doesn't matter. Just get my movie out there. I want distribution. And most of you youngsters out there who would have a, a film if a distributor knocked on your door, you'd be ecstatic. You'd say, here, w wait, where's the contract? Let me sign. I'll sign right now. But see, I'm an old fart. I, I look at the big picture and I'm, I'm just not comfortable with them handling the hike. I'm not going to go with distribution for now, at least with this company. I'm still open to distribution, but I just, I just don't think we're a good fit with this particular company. And I wish them well. I hope they get their 2022 slate filled up, and I hope it uh, is successful for this company. And they had a good deal. You know, it was 50-50. It was, it was a split 50-50. Filmmaker gets 50%. Distribution company gets 50%. But it would, there was a three-year contract. So for three years, no one else could have the movie. And it would automatically kick back in after three years, unless if I had it in writing that I wanted to sever ties with them. So there you go. It's a good problem to have. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate them reaching out to me and offering it to me. But in the end, I have to do what's best for the movie, not what is best for me. 
you know, I would I would take a 10%, 5% cut if I knew it was going to a company and they were going to handle it in a in a proper, respectful way. I just don't want to be a number in a library of films. So anyway, the other thing I want to mention that I failed to mention at the end of our three-act structure. Remember your hero has to have a wound. They have to be hurt some way, somehow. It can be physical. It can be emotional. Typically, if you can, this is just one level up. This will take your script from being good to being really good. At the end of your movie, the wound that your hero has can be healed by what the hero has gone through. So give that a thought. You know, it's easier if it's emotional. If it's an emotional wound, maybe they're lacking something, maybe whatever, self-confidence. And then they go through this big journey and they come out victorious. And then suddenly that self-confidence is flying high off the charts. They feel way much better about themselves. That's just a quick, easy example. Now, if the wound you give your character is a physical trait, then that is not easily mended, right? If it's a physical trait, hmm, not going to change. Not going to change because of the journey that the hero has been on. But did the hero's physical scar, physical hurt, did it help someone else? So if, if your hero can help someone else because of their physical disability, and if that physical disability can change another character, then that can work as well. But whatever wound or scar you give your hero, either your hero overcomes it in the end, or that pain that your hero feels can be used to help another character get over their own pain. I hope that all makes sense. Okay, so let's start talking about dialogue. And there's three key things that you need to keep in mind. First of all, films are a visual medium, okay? Show, don't tell. You write that in big words and put it on your computer screen. Show, don't tell. If you have a character and they're depressed, they're just down in the dumps, they're fighting depression, don't have your character tell another character, oh, I'm so depressed, oh, I'm so sad. Show their actions, show them being sad and depressed, and we'll get it as an audience. And what also goes hand in hand with show, don't tell is don't have characters speak or say things that are on the nose. So we all go through life and sometimes we want information, but we don't want to come out and ask for the information for various reasons. You know, maybe it'll implicate us. Maybe we have another agenda for learning this information. So in a roundabout way, we ask people to get the information that we want. We ask questions, but they're not direct questions, i.e. on the nose. So never ever have any character speak on the nose. Because in real life, that doesn't happen. Now, yes, sometimes it does. Sometimes if you get in a heated argument. But generally speaking, we go through life and the information that we want, sometimes we don't necessarily come out and just blurt it out and ask. That's on the nose. So in a roundabout way, we talk about something else that'll get the character to give us the information that we really want. Uh, Go back to the depression thing. You know, you have a character. He's depressed. And... This character has a friend, and they're talking. And the friend looks at the depressed character and says, Dude, you're depressed. 
<laughs> that's on the nose. You know, instead, have the friend look look at the depressed character and, hey man, how are you? You been getting out? What you been doing? Oh, you're just laying around? Dude, that's got to be boring. What are you doing laying around? You watching TV or anything? You're just laying in bed all day? What about your job? What about groceries? What about laundry? You see what I'm saying? So show, don't tell. Stay away from on the nose, on the nose dialogue, obvious words that people are saying. I know that that's that's a tough one to, to wrap your head around, but I think you'll get it. I think you got it. The other key point is if you read a script above where the character talks on the page is their name. So in the hike, it's Derek, it's Brooke, it's Grady. Make all your characters talk differently because we all talk differently. And if you do that well enough, you can read a script and just cross out the name that's above the dialogue on the page. You know, it says Derek, and then Derek's dialogue is underneath his name. If I took that script page and I got rid of the names and I just started reading the script without looking at the names, I should be able to tell who is talking at any moment. When I see lines of dialogue and then lines of dialogue and then lines of dialogue without names, the way they are talking, I should be able to tell who that character is, especially your leads. Now, your B story and C story, maybe not so much. The main characters, good guy, bad guy, good guy's best friend, bad guy's henchman, they have to speak differently. Now, in the hike, Brooke is not that book smart, but she has common sense. So she does not use big words. Derek is a sports agent. He went to college. So I gave him a little more articulation. I gave him a vocabulary that would suggest this guy is a pretty smart dude. And in Grady, the bad guy, played by me, so he does not use a vocabulary filled with words that you would learn in college. And also, his vocabulary, all of the words ending in I-N-G, the G is dropped. So Grady never says playing, driving. He says playing, driving. And that's the way it's written on the page. When I was writing Grady's character, I would write playing, P-L-A-Y-I-N, driving, D-R-I-V-I-N. Derek, he would pronounce the I-N-G because he's a little more sophisticated. So you see where this is going. So you could read a scene between Derek, Grady, and Brooke in my script. Take away their names, and you would know who is talking by what I just told you. Brooke is wise, street smart. She figures problems out quickly. Derek is more articulate, uses bigger words. And Grady has a little Southern drawl. Not that educated, not that articulate. So figure out a way that you can put words in your characters' mouths and make them unique to that character. The way they pronounce things, the way they run their sentences together. Maybe have a character, maybe have their cadence different than, than the other characters. Because we all don't speak the same, right? So switch up the cadence. Do they say sir? Do they say ma'am? Are they considerate? Are they polite? Are they rude? Are they crude? What are they? And let them speak that way. If they're quiet and introverted, of course, they're not going to talk that much. If they're boisterous and extroverted, they're going to talk a lot. So those are three keys to dialogue that are very important. And I think if you can master those three, you'll be well on your way to having a wonderful script that will place in many contests. Because some people just don't, those are things they don't consider. Because if you don't do those three things, your script is suddenly amateurish. 
Someone can read your script and know right away that you're not experienced, that you're a very amateurish writer who hasn't really done the research, done the due diligence, and dialogue will definitely separate your script from others. Because if you have every character saying things that are on the nose that are so obvious, and you have characters telling each other these things that you could be showing instead of telling, and if they all talk alike, then your script's not going anywhere. And that's not being harsh, that's being realistic. But having said that, keep in mind, your script, the foundation of your script is the story. The dialogue, you know, if you have poor dialogue, it's a show of an inexperienced writer. But you know as well as I do, if you keep up with the industry, a studio can still option a script, even though your dialogue sucks. Let's just say your dialogue is really bad. But your story is amazing. A studio could still option your script because there are script doctors out there. There are people, their specialty is dialogue. So, you know, the head of a studio loves your story and they option the story and then they'll give it to another writer whose expertise is dialogue and let them have a pass at it. Now, typically they won't change the story, but they will make the dialogue pop. And more than likely, they're going to cut. That is probably the biggest hurdle that you're going to have to jump over is you're going to add too much dialogue. So when we start talking about rewrites, you're going to have to cut dialogue, cut dialogue, cut dialogue. You know, there's there's no need to have these big, long paragraphs that a, a character is going to spout out of their pie hole. Less is more. Keep that in mind. Less is more. The foundation is your story. Your movie is not dependent upon the dialogue. It's dependent upon the story. Are you going to push people's buttons? Are you going to push that emotional button in an audience member and make them go back and see it again and again and again? Dialogue doesn't have that much to do with pushing that emotional button. It's the story. And the biggest takeaway from this episode that I want you to grasp and hang on to, it's a visual medium. Show, don't tell. Keep the dialogue sparse. If you can give a character a gesture or a look that says, if you put the dialogue in, that look or that gesture will say the same thing, only in a physical manner. That's what you want. So like I've told you in the past, please do what you can to read scripts. Online, there's so many scripts that you can download. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Sometime this month, I'm not sure, I'm going to have an interview with a singer-songwriter who is shooting her own music videos. Now, you may think that's a curveball. It's like, wait, Dave, where does that fit into making a movie? If you go back to like my first episode when I was talking to you about getting out there and just getting your feet wet, you know, put your toes in the water and just take your phone and just shoot stuff and then bring it in on your computer and use iMovie or whatever and edit it. I would love to do a music video. And I think there's so many of you out there who know someone who is in a band and maybe they haven't done a video yet. You know, with your phone, you can shoot a music video. You have to have a band cut, make a professional sounding track. Okay, you can't shoot a band, let them just play live and you push record and you record their music through your phone. That's not going to cut it. So you have to have a band that has gone into a studio, 
Or, of course, the track could be mixed using Pro Tools, but you know what I'm saying. You need a music track that is properly mixed one way or another, either in a studio, at a home studio using Pro Tools. You know, you just can't push record and record live sound for a music video. They've cut maybe one song. They've cut maybe a, put out maybe a, a small little EP, maybe four songs, and they're all professionally done. Then it's your job to just get a visual to match that. And you can do that. So anyway, I thought uh, this young lady would be interesting to talk to because she is a singer-songwriter and she, uh, just on her own, she decided she's going to make her own videos. And they're really well done. So she will have some tips and pointers for you. She's actually going to release a new video sometime this month. And we're going to time this out so that when she releases that video, then I will also release her episode that uh, we recorded and the interview that we did. So it's a timing issue. So I'm waiting to hear from her. And then that will dictate when I upload those two episodes because they are... Uh, they're each like 25 minutes long. So she's in two episodes. And if you're not interested in shooting a music video and you don't really care about it, you know, then don't listen. But I thought it would be interesting for those of you who want to direct, for those of you who want to just shoot something, play around, because she has some very good tips. All right, so that's what we got coming up. And then we will continue discussing writing. Uh, I'll probably have some more tips for you as far as dialogue. And until then, everybody have... A great week, and remember, be a lion, not a sheep. That's all.